You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. We are still here talking about The Outsider on HBO. This is episode seven? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, episode seven. What was the title of this episode? In, In the, the Pines. pines. In, In the Pines. pines. In the pines, in the pines. <laughs> so, what have to do with you? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this is gonna. I I have things to say about this episode. <laughs> so I hope everybody else is ready. Drove me nuts. Did it? All right. I mean, it didn't drive me nuts. I just, I honestly, it was like the one episode where I just found myself naturally like looking at Facebook while I was watching it. I was just like, yeah. I, I should be caring right now, but I really don't care. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm right around that point too. But before we get into the outsider, uh, let's get into our week's watch. So, John. What did you watch this week? Uh, I watched the Caliber performance in uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. The movie. The, the broke the records. Yeah. Like, just came out of nowhere. Underdog. After it got, you know, the swan treatment. It did. The it's, ugly duckling mm-hmm. yeah. into the swan. I mean, yeah. Uh, that first trailer came out and everybody just went, oh my God. It's hilarious. And then they went back to the drawing board and were like, okay, let's retool this thing and made it look more like the animated video game. They cyber bullied a movie <laughs> studio. They sure did. They did. They into, sure uh, did. That's the best way to put that. Into uh, beautifying it. Um, it was to their benefit, though, because... I mean, it looked better. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the movie was okay. Like, I, I didn't hate it. It could have been a uh, wait till it's on TV or streaming for me. Okay. Because it really, um, it did one thing that I really don't like with certain movies, uh, like Masters of the Universe, for instance, where you start off in the, the fictional place where it's supposed to be taking place or happening, mm-hmm. and then it comes into the real world. And I, now it's like a fish out of water love. situation. I honestly didn't think of that, but you're right. It it masters the I mean masters the universe starts in Internia and then goes to real world. And Howard the Duck starts in Duckland or whatever you call that dimension. Duck Planet, Duck Earth or Dearth. I don't know. <laughs> Dearth. And <laughs> yeah, but in the comic books, he isn't on on a. Di- it's it's not it's not a different dimension. He's he's from a, this dimension. It's just a different planet. That's why. Okay, he well, whatever sucked. it is, yeah. they just use a portal to transport him here, whatever. That's true. So, yeah, I, I just don't like that that device for the, you know, storytelling where you, know, you do that. You you pluck out the, you know, like Beastmaster 2 through the portal of time. <laughs> Same thing. He starts off in his home world, gets pulled into L.A. It's not a trope you enjoy. It's no, it's not. That and amnesia. Those are two things I really don't oh, like in movies. I like I amnesia. amnesia. I do not. No. I, I, I think it's lazy. Lines. It's a cheap way to get around not having to do things. Um, anyway, uh, that being said, if I was to fault the movie with one thing, it's that Sonic doesn't act like Sonic. Sonic he was always supposed to be. collect rings and run really fast? No, he does those things. He just doesn't act the way that he's always been portrayed in. Like the other cartoons? media, the cartoon. Yeah, he's always been this kind of wise ass. Did he eat chili dogs? Kind of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he never touched a single chili dog. <gasps> well, then it's obviously a false movie. <laughs> yeah, this Wait, is was fan there, fiction. There was chimichangas in Deadpool, right? Yes. Yes, yes there was. Okay, then, yeah. 
Um, and as coincidentally, I think uh, wasn't somebody from Deadpool involved in this? Or am I thinking of a different movie? Mm. Oh, maybe Tim, Tim. Did Tim, Tim Miller write direct this? I want to say Tim Miller was involved in this, but now I can't remember off the top of my head. You should look it up while I fill in the air empty spaces here. Um, mm. <clears throat> but yeah, Sonic didn't really act like he had attitude. Like that was always his shtick. He was the anti-Mario. You know, Mario was always the smiling, happy plumber looking dude and sonic was the smirking kind of like looking at you half cocked tapping his foot like come on let's do this let's go and he was just kind of like a white-eyed kid in this almost where it just i don't know it just i feel like it wasn't portrayed properly mm. and like well, i said we spent so little time <laughs> in the world where sonic is actually from that i don't know i wasn't that the, the, those aspects I wasn't a big fan of. However, Jim Carrey was awesome in this. Really? Oh. He really stole the movie, yeah. His his portrayal of uh, Robotnik, a.k.a. Eggman, I love that they reference both, both of those names in there. Um, there's definitely a few Easter eggs. The rings are in the movie, um, and they actually act as sort of a MacGuffin in here. Mm. Um, <clears throat> he has to collect them all or else the world yeah. gets taken over. But they kind of play around with the idea of just how fast Sonic is. Uh, I mean, he's basically like unlimited as far as how fast he can go. Because some scenes he'll just be really fast, like run back and forth. Others, it'll be like scenes out of the uh, Quicksilver moments from the X-Men movies. Where, you know, time is completely still and he's just kind of walking around everybody. And, you know, moving things around to kind of make it funny once everything catches back up. Um, yeah, like I, in the trailer, you see the the part where he's like, "Oh, look, the largest ball of yarn or something like that," and he's like, "It's not that big." Yeah, he just like runs to it, comes back, and like, he's he got the hat and stuff. Yeah, he's got the souvenirs and all that. And that's basically it. It's like a buddy traveling movie with James Marston. Yeah, road road trip movie. Yeah, um, they're going from a place called Green Hills, Montana. Which, you know, reference. Green Hills is yeah, the level. Name of the level. Um, but the world he actually comes from, the where the Green Hill level actually is supposed to be taking its name from, you see that at the beginning of the movie. So, like, in a way, it's kind of a tease, like the, the Bumblebee movie, where you get mm. what you actually want to see in, like, the first five minutes. <laughs> and then the rest of the movie is like, okay, we're back to this now. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but all the Transformers like cartoons takes place on Earth, not on Cybertron. No, but I'm saying that they look like their G1 counterparts. Uh, and the you. whole sound Cybertron thing looks pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, then the rest of the movie just goes back and it morphs into like the Bayverse version of Bumblebee. Oh, okay. Where you know he can't talk and all that. So BS. the but the bigger question is how did Ben Schwartz do? You know or what? Schwartzman. If I hadn't already known that it was him, I wouldn't have been able to tell that was his voice. Really? I I heard it in the in the trailer. Like I saw like a like picture was. John Raphael. <laughs> he doesn't do any of that impromptu singing. Okay. Um, but other than that, like, and I like John Raphael uh, or Ben Schwartz. It's just that, like, that could have been any number of different voice actors and it wouldn't have made that big of a difference. Um, knowing that it's him bumps it up maybe just a notch. Uh, I didn't hate it. It wasn't bad. It was just okay. You know? It's just something you could have waited to watch at home. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is produced by Tim Miller, okay, director of the first Deadpool movie. He did have some involvement, correct, uh, amongst a bunch of other producers. So, Sonic the Hedgehog is in theaters right now. You can go check that out. Yeah, go add to that record-breaking, biggest uh, video game like opening weekend. Opening yeah. weekend. Yeah. I mean, if, if anything, that's actually good because now it shows that you can make. At least a successful video game movie, if not a good one, and that's what really matters in Hollywood. I feel like we just well, had one that could also show that if you turn yourself into an internet meme, you might <laughs> up your sales. That's true. That's true. Well, it didn't work for cats. No, no. <laughs> this is true because they couldn't fix it. Sonic fixed it. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, okay, but. Uh, 
Well, Detective Pikachu did really yeah, good also, right. yeah, but, but not yeah. as good as this, apparently. Yeah. Mm. I was going to say, Detective Pikachu just did better, so there was another game that did And both. if I preferred one over the other, Detective Pikachu would definitely, like, oust this one. But overall, I mean, I think it's a good sign in general for, like, maybe getting some more properties getting adapted. But see, I think the problem is, is that, I mean, Detective Pikachu and, and Sonic are both kid-friendly, family-friendly video games. Like, it's... The movies are going to be family-friendly. You can bring your kids to see that movie, whereas Mortal Kombat or... Uh, I don't know, Resident Evil or... Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Alone in the, the, the Dark, Silent yeah. Hill. Can, yeah, those have. things are going to be adult-oriented, and so are you going to get adult people to come watch video game those video game movies? Or Here's what we should do. We should then start making a shared universe... And then it's going to culminate with a Super Smash Brothers initiative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that'll be, the, that'll be the, the big one that brings them all together. Fair enough. Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So this last weekend, we went to Gallifrey One, the mm-hmm. Doctor Who Comic-Con or comic convention. Um and one of the panels was actually the first showing of the fully colorized second episode of the first season of Doctor Who in the classics. So 1966, Three. I think. 63? Yeah. Um, the episode was titled The Daleks. And it took this group of, I think it was about six of them, just fans, five years to colorize the entire thing just this one episode of just this one episode 22 25 minutes or something like that yeah oh. however it was phenomenally well done except it, uh, you couldn't tell for the most part that it hadn't originally been shot in color mm-hmm. um despite the fact that they they did note that they had to take some liberties with colors because some of the things they just there was no record of what color it was supposed to be or it would have been uh so but it was just so well done that i i mean i get why it took them five years i hope they figure out how to get a little bit faster because <laughs> there's a lot of episodes but it was exceptionally well done and that was a really cool thing to see uh this weekend i don't know if anybody knows but isn't isn't like one of the things like when you see photos i guess i don't know if you could see photos of it but uh, when they did black and white film, like mm-hmm. they would put people in like pink makeup and pink clothing because it just showed up better yeah. as white, right? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. gray tones. So like some of that stuff could have actually been really off the wall colors, but obviously not what they wanted, they yeah. intended. Not what they would have done had color, color been, been a thing. Yeah. yeah. That, so, that's interesting. I, I find that interesting. Yeah. And I guess it was last weekend because we are now in this weekend. Sure. The timing is all off. <laughs> in a previous weekend to today. <laughs> in a previous weekend to today. <laughs> so, Gallifrey 1. Gallifrey 1. What did you think of Gallifrey 1? Did you have a good time? I had an excellent time. It was it was very different. I haven't gone to very many cons, um, but it was very different from the ones that I've gone to. I think because... One, it's very specialized, so it's a it's a smaller group, and it's a more it's more intimate experience because everybody's there to talk about the exact same thing, mm. and there is you know there were some crossover cosplays and some crossover panels, but there is essentially one thing that you know you can talk to every single person in the room about, and that's Doctor Who. <laughs> the other thing was this is the first one I've gone to that's hosted. It's since it's hosted in the Marriott, so it's hosted in a hotel mm-hmm. at the convention floor underneath the hotel. They did a lot more late night things. It was a lot mm-hmm. more relaxed because everybody could literally go take the elevator back upstairs to their hotel rooms. So you saw a lot more costume, you know, cosplay changes, and you saw a lot of those things. So it, it definitely had a very different feel to the conventions that I have attended before. Uh, the Guest speakers were phenomenal. We got to see um, Christopher Eccleston. That was great. That was a huge one. Like he had, he has he actually doesn't do too many cons. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was really cool. And what did you think of him? Like, I know that he even talks about it. He talked about it on his panel that most people cast him as the villain or at least the anti-hero. Yeah. But 
yeah, he was a lot more friendly than I was expecting. Like, I wasn't thinking that he was going to be a mean guy, but like. He wasn't actually, he was pretty close to what I anticipated based hmm. on what I know and what I've read about him. Mostly because he was so different as the doctor from Tennant or Smith or Capaldi or Jody. It's just. He's so vastly different than the rest of the, I mean, he's, and he's so different than the classics, who the doctor often is a lot more lighthearted, and he played the doctor relatively dark. Mm-hmm. And seeing him in person and seeing him interact as a person, you get that. You, you get that kind of seriousness in him as a person that probably is. While he can lighten the edges, he can't take that away. He is a very serious person. He takes acting, and it, they all take acting very seriously, but he sees it in a much more serious light. So I, I found that very interesting, and I always forget that he was only on for a single season. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how he only played the Doctor for nine months, and then he was done. Uh, but fifteen. Years but fifteen later. years later, he's still flying across the globe to come to a Doctor Who convention. So I, he was how I expected, only because I'd done enough research because he wasn't who I had expected when Doctor Who came back on. Yeah, I mean to think about that. Fifteen years later, he's still talking about Doctor Who, and mm-hmm. I mean in that time, he's played Malkith on a, a, in a Marvel movie. He's played. Uh, Destro in a G.I. Joe movie. Uh, he's he was in Twenty Eight Days Later as the you know the antagonist military guy who's mm. trying to keep the zombies at bay. Yeah, like so many great roles. But I think the thing is, is you hit the nail on the head when you when he was talking about the fact that he's normally cast as a villain because he is such a serious person. It's much easier to want to continue to revisit being the hero than it is to continue mm. to revisit being the villain. I mean, it's just, it, it's nice to have people look up to you as opposed to <laughs> run away from you Be scared. Feared, yeah. <laughs> so I, I really do think that that's plus doctor who I, I feel like is just one of those characters because of the way it's written and its ability to adapt to who you are and no two doctors are alike. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's a very you role. You bring a lot as your personality to that role, I think, is, is really the key. And I think that can be seen. And I thought it, it showed in his, his panel discussion last weekend. And there was also another doctor. Peter, Peter Davison Peter was Davison there. Peter Davison was there. We had a few companions. Yes. Michelle Ryan, who played... It was just a companion one episode. Uh, Pearl Mackey, who was Bill during right. Capaldi's seasons. Mm-hmm. And Tossin something. He is a c- current companion with Jody yeah. Whittaker. I just remember his first name's Tossin because it's it's a cool name. It's an interesting name. T O S I N. Yes. No. And they did an entire panel with just the three companions, and that was highly entertaining mm. because I there was some side panel discussions about the fact that you know part of Doctor Who is is that we as people tend to connect more with the companions because they are written to be more human mm-hmm. than the doctor, particularly in the earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. And so being able to see it through their eyes and how they, you know, handle those things was, was interesting. Nope. So, okay. Anything, anything else do you like to talk about Gallifrey one? Did, how were the cosplays? Did you see a, a one cosplay that you just loved more than any other? There was oh, um, one gentleman. He had two fantastic ones. He was Lando the first day. Uh-huh. And then the second day, he did another Star Wars Doctor Who crossover. And I remember thinking it was fantastic, but I... It was Mace. It was yes. Mace Window as... <laughs> Mace Windu as, as, oh, using uh, Tom Baker's scarf. Yes. Mace yeah. Windu in, in Tom Baker's scarf, which is the Doctor Who with the, the really long rainbow scarf. Yeah. Um, for those who 
don't know Doctor Who particularly well. <laughs> he did fantastic. He, I thought his were fantastic. And then another gal did a crossover. She took uh, Jodie Whittaker, the current Doctor's jacket. She's got this long gray jacket. Mm-hmm. She took that jacket and cut it up and tied it to be Ray wow. from Star Wars. So, and she had Jodie Whittaker's top underneath it, and so it was a crossover Ew. between Ray and Jodie Jody's doctor, and that was really cool. So, all right, there you go. Galfrey one was in Los Angeles. The was President's Day weekend. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's always President's Day weekend, so make sure to get your tickets early when they go on sale. Jessica, what did you do for your week's watch? Uh, I have two for my week's watch, and I decided to watch two different versions of the same kind of show. Oh. Musical show. Yeah. So right now on NBC, there's Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I watched the first two episodes. And on Netflix, there was the recently canceled (laughs) season one of the musical show called Soundtrack. That's right. And I talked about Zoe a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago now. When it was when they had the first episode up just for letting people to see it. Yeah, they had like an early release yeah. of it or, or something. Yeah, so I caught the first two episodes. I just happened to catch it while it was on TV this Sunday, and I loved it. It's it's really good. It's um, the musical aspect of it is is funny. The fact that you have a character that doesn't like music, yeah. that's hearing music <laughs> constantly, is actually pretty hilarious. Especially frustrating when she doesn't know what the songs are. Um, but also just the other, even like musical aspect aside, if it was just her like hearing people's thoughts um, like that, I mean, the, the story of it is very well, this stuff, her father being sick and her dealing with this like only girl coder, but with a female boss, like, and not really having a good dynamic with that female boss is also very very interesting and unique and I just really like the acting's fairly good. The music aspect is very good, very musically cheesy, which works in this case because of who that main character is. Um, and soundtrack on Netflix, um, I think I got 45 minutes through the first hour. <laughs> the first episode of it before I just kind of just realized I wasn't even paying attention to it anymore. Um, I don't know how it can consider itself a musical because they're not actually singing the songs. They're performing them, but it's like a lip sync okay. thing. Like if you, if you watched it without the sound off, it would look exactly like a musical. They're doing the crazy elaborate moves. The people in the background are joining them for some reason and all that stuff. But if you actually play the song, like it's the actual song. So for example, the first song that you hear is Elastic Heart by Sia. And it's Sia singing it. It's not the character singing it. And they're reenacting the music video? They're not reenacting the music video. It fits within the scene like oh, any okay. musical would. It's It's not like she's popped into that music video per se. It's just literally that that character is lip singing along to Sia's Elastic Heart. So like like the title suggests it's more of the soundtrack of your life. Like this is what you kind of are going through. Yeah, I, I guess. Like if anything, you could argue maybe their point is like when you go through this horrible, like Elastic Heart, of course, plays when the character is getting um, broken up with dramatically. So <laughs> she has to go through all of the breakups in her past, which is all way over the top breakups, this poor girl. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's like lip singing the song and performing the song within the restaurant that she just got broken up in. And the people that were eating their food are now joining her and dancing with her and lifting her up in the air and all that crap. But once again, she's, but not, it's, singing. she's not actually singing it. And I thought, well, that's weird. Maybe she just sounds like Sia. Like maybe it's just my ears playing tricks <laughs> on me. But then, I think the next song, I think it might have been a killer song. I can't remember which one, but it was quite obviously the killers singing it right. too. And I was like, oh, well, this is. Uh, it's just. <laughs> and then, and just also like the story itself wasn't that entertaining. It was dramatic for the sake of drama kind of thing. Like every character had like a horrible background story. Like the other main character is this guy who's recently widowed. And he has a son, so now he's a single father, and he he has to move back into a get a, his ghetto 
neighborhood or whatever. Mm. And now he's worried about his super smart kid and it's just very drama heavy and just, nah, it's just could not hold my attention. Just not my thing. Maybe but, if it was actually them singing, <laughs> but even then. But the biggest difference between the two is that one is the people are actually singing, whereas yeah. the other one, it's just the soundtrack. Yeah, I would say that's the biggest difference. And that, and I feel like Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is actually even more realistic of a story than this now, soundtrack one. Since I watched Zoe, I did not see soundtrack. How do you figure oh. that works? Okay, so here's what I got. Because I remember your problem was when she heard like a whole group of people singing. Uh-huh. What does that mean? I feel like when she hears a whole group of people singing, I think that's actually her in her thoughts. Oh. I think that's her projecting onto the group. Okay. But, but when like, it's an individual person, it is their thoughts. But when it's a whole group, like the first time she hears it, it's help by the Beatles. That's true. And that's when she first realizes. And the second time was what the the loneliest ones. And I think that was when she was starting to realize she was lonely too. Like, okay. In a way. Gotcha. That's, that makes a lot more that's sense. That's what I'm saying. But now I'm only two episodes in, so I'm sure. And then how, how, so how does the second episode play out? I mean, not, not with, not with the story, but is it still good? Is it's it, still good. Okay. No, I actually liked it even more. So yeah. And I especially loved that. Like she has a way to communicate with her father now. I thought that was... I don't that know, was a great like, twist. That's the kind of drama I like. like, <laughs> this is like yes, this is my drama right here. <laughs> okay, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is on NBC or Hulu. Mm-hmm. And uh, Soundtrack is on N- and Netflix. If it's only one to. season. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get through the first episode. <laughs> uh, for my watch this week, I saw the first episode, only the first episode of Avenue 5, which is also on HBO. It Ooh. is a sci-fi comedy in set in outer space <laughs> you're on a space cruise with uh your captain portrayed by hugh laurie which i am a huge oh, yeah. house fan so i've been wanting to watch this show just to get more hugh laurie in there and uh he does not disappoint like he's I, no. between him and josh gad i think it were probably the best parts of the show <laughs> i forgot josh, josh gad on it josh <laughs> gad. i know one thing like watching this much. show <laughs> josh like I, I've I I've liked him. Josh Gad since The Rocker. Like I think he's just he's really good. Like I know everybody was when the Rocker came out and he was like everybody's like, oh this is just the new Jonah Hill and stuff and I I respect him so much more than Jonah Hill. Um I can't wait to see what he does with with Honey I Shrunk the Kids. The mm-hmm. that reboot sequel something <laughs> that's gonna be coming out. Mm-hmm. Yay. He's playing the youngest one, the one that was blown up in yeah. the second <gasps> movie. So, and they got, um, oh, I can't remember the actor's name. They got the original actor to come yeah, back. Rick for it too. To come yeah, Rick Moranis to come back. Yeah, and he hasn't been working for a long time. A very long time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I can't. It, a- Avenue Five. There were a lot of for a t- twenty-nine minute show. There were a <laughs> lot a of lot. slow parts. I felt for especially for a comedy that it's trying to portray. I think the the premise is a great premise because you have the CEO that's played by Josh Gad, but you also got to wonder why he's up on the on this space cruise with them. Why didn't he just why isn't Stay. he back? Yeah, why isn't he back on Earth? I got the impression that this is the first voyage for this ship. This particular one. This yes. is Avenue five, 5 as opposed to Avenue 3 which had a fire on it, huh, okay. which is not good in outer space. But uh Hugh Laurie's character was trumped up as the hero of Avenue 3. He put out the fires himself and saved all the passengers. Well, (laughs) other things are said about that when when the episode actually plays out. See, and I'm really surprised you found parts of it slow because I was having a hard time tracking it. Like, there was so much going on. (laughs) There was a lot going on, but I feel like... So, towards the beginning of the episode, for some reason... uh, the simulated gravity on the spaceship uh, gets flipped. And instead of everybody, you know, you're thinking about how a cruise ship is, everybody mm-hmm. on the deck, yep. gravity is now flipped to the exact right side, a right angle. So everybody that's standing on the deck or any floor on it's the ship gets degrees. thrown, yeah, 90 degrees. So <laughs> the wall, the right wall is now uh, the floor. Gosh. And because of that, mm-hmm. the ship 
is literally thrown off course physics. by yes <laughs> by physics for a, a trajectory of uh, a difference of point zero two one. Yeah. Yep. And though that doesn't sound like a lot when <laughs> you you're still going full speed at a certain you know cruising. Mm-hmm. Mock whatever because you're in outer space. Space physics. It, it, you become you're really off course. So, the the whole idea is that their eight week space cruise now is is they are not going to be able to get back home for five years. Three years. Three years. Sorry. So still a ridiculously long time <laughs> for a cruise. Yeah, especially when you're only going to spend eight weeks there. <laughs> I mean, eight weeks seems like a long time for a cruise, but I guess it is outer space. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say it's an outer space cruise. <laughs> Um, I love the fast talking. It's all, it's all very Aaron Sorkin, mm. especially the walk and talk. Like the very beginning is Hugh Laurie and, uh, the assistant to Josh Gad CEO Judd, um, like just walk and talking on the, on the spaceship as they, as they go. And it's, it's, I like it. It's, it's good comedy in that way for me. Mm. But after the, the gravity flip, that's where it slowed down for me. And I was like, okay, where's, where are we going? What are we going to get to here? I love where it gets to in that first episode. And then it also cuts off very abruptly that the episode ends very abruptly for me. So I, I would love to get into some more episodes. We'll see if, see if that happens. Hmm. Sounds fun. Uh, Avenue five is on HBO currently. Okay, that's our week's watch. Let's get into The Outsider, episode seven of season one, In the Pines, In the Pines. Does that mean anything to anybody? In Is it? Pi- I don't know. I feel like it needs to be yelled, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think it feels like, like an old poem or thing. Or I it's, feel like you think a lot of things need to be yelled, though. <laughs> yeah, when I have like in a giant jug of Mountain Dew, yes, I feel like everything needs to be yelled. <laughs> everything. <laughs> so, uh, as we left... Holly in episode six, she is being kidnapped. kidnapped? Yeah. <laughs> by Jake, Detective Jake, uh, and take taken what we thought was to the barn uh to be killed. Uh it's a song by Lead Billy. Yeah. What's Lead Billy? <clears throat> like nineteen forties blues musician. I oh. think Nirvana covered it too. It yeah, where like did you sleep that. last night? Yep. That's uh that was a Nirvana mm-hmm. cover at one point. Okay. Does it have some kind of hidden meaning? Uh well let's see. It says my girl, my girl, don't lie to me. Tell me where did you sleep last night? In the pines and the pines where the sun don't ever shine. I would shiver the whole night through. So, so because Holly got up in the middle of the night to go with Jake Right. Everybody's looking where she's. I guess it's about. It was yeah, the morning. It was the morning. No, I think it's. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's just supposed else to. Got up. I think it's just supposed to indicate that the monster, the being El Coco, is in the pines. Like that's where he's sleeping. He's sleeping in the forest. I mean, the other episodes weren't titled after songs, right? Because no. Did you hear the one about the Yiddish vampires? <laughs> that's, a song. that's just oh, a that's joke. an old folk favorite. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Holly is being abducted by Jake, and just get into it. Like, who else thought she wasn't going to be making it out of this? Because I honestly did. I thought she was going to have insufficient plot armor, but... Blood armor? Plot Plot armor. armor. Plot armor. Sorry, thank you. But, uh, I was still under a lot of suspense about how she was going to get out of it. So, yeah, I was kind of on I mean, the edge. Obviously, Jake doesn't want to be a bad guy, at least not in that way. Like, we've seen him do some pretty shitty stuff before he was possessed or whatever it is. Yep. Um, but he he prattles on about why why him, for one. Why why would El Cuco choose him? And then also, you know, how his childhood was pretty shitty and... And all that stuff, which I guess like is the opposite of because like, don't they say like if you're abducted, try and tell your story to the abductor so that they realize that you're human. Yeah. Like this is the abductor trying to be like, I am human. <laughs> to the Please kidnapped. don't think bad about me. Yeah. I, I don't have a choice. I also think he was partially relieved. Like now he's understanding what's happening to him. And that's why he was all ears and super like, you know wanting to hear what she had to say mm-hmm. when Holly was going to be 
describing and they even made a point to say like oh he was the only one that really kind of stood up for her during that one meeting um and yeah he was a completely in a, at attention with her i mean he would he would he'd be the one to believe in supernatural wouldn't he now he would yeah. <laughs> especially after getting his ass kicked in his apartment by nothing by his mother oh yeah by his, yeah the ghost of his mother yeah yeah i because she came at him like a spider monkey yeah. <laughs> i think so i assume we'll get to it later but the fact that they actually aren't driving towards the barn they're driving two hours in the opposite direction I think he was trying to buy time to get as much information out of Holly as he could before doing what was required of him by El Cuco because I think he was looking for answers, looking for a way out that wasn't going to cost him. I just assumed that he was that El Cuco wasn't in the barn anymore, just wherever it was that he was dropping off all the... Mm. Home goods and stuff. I agree, but I don't think El Cuco wanted him. I don't think El Cuco, the monster didn't want to kill Holly himself. He wanted Jake to just yeah. get rid of her. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he cared where or how Jake got rid of her. That's fair. Hmm? Do you think that it's a proximity? Like, what if Jake just drove really far away? Well, since it's mental, I would imagine it could go as far as it needed to. Because, I mean, it still had control over the gentleman in Dayton, Ohio, even though he had already gone to Georgia. True. That's true. And so that's a pretty good distance. I mean, if it was distance related, Jake would have to, like, go to Mars. Um, I think it's I think it's all connected through that rash. Okay. Those boils. Um, Some cream on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just go get it checked out by a doctor. <laughs> They'll lance those boils. Which doctor? <laughs> sure. Um, Went now, to a voodoo med school. Do you think? Oh, good God! That was one of the lines too. I started looking at my phone at that line. <laughs> have you ever watched Doctor Pimple Popper? Yeah. Yes, yes, oh. I have. Anyways, <laughs> do you think that El Cuco stopped Jake from killing himself? Yes. Yeah. When he yeah. had the gun in his mouth? For yeah. sure. Because he still, well. He still needs him. I want to say, yeah, that, that Kuku, El Kuko still needs him. But I think Jake also doesn't truly want to kill himself. That's that's what I was going with. I was like, yeah. I don't know if he actually does want to kill I mean, he's going through some terrible stuff right now, but he, he probably he might also think with that, it. You know, like the idea I was like, I could just pull the trigger right now and all of this. But then I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. Yeah. Because, I mean, there is kind of a light with with Holly knowing yeah. what it is and then trying to tell other people. I think if Jake had been able to go through with killing Holly, I think he would have been in a place to kill himself. But I think because he actually has, I mean, he hasn't done anything yet truly unforgivably terrible. Yeah. I mean, all he's done is fed the monster some deer, which plenty of people go hunting. Bought some stuff that, I mean... The worst thing he's done at this point, besides, I mean, obviously besides kidnapping Holly, but is like litter the forest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a dick to people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was doing that before. Yeah. <laughs> I so, mean, him he beating did, up that dude in the strip club yeah, was before yeah. he even got infected. Yeah. I yeah. think if he knew that the creature had visited the female detective and threatened the baby, I think that would have sent him over the edge. Mm. I think his lack of knowledge of that is key. That is interesting. Because getting to that, you know, oh, yeah. Ralph questions her, like, hey, did anything strange happen with Jake? And she just keeps saying no, but also avoiding the topic. And I he's feel like, like Ralph better freaking notice she's acting weird, because I'm like, come on, dude. She's he, acting weird. He does, but I appreciate... <laughs> The two separate conversations, both with him and the GBI investigator, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he goes, you need to, you know, he's like, you're the only one here who needs it to have a rational explanation to feel better about yourself. Yeah. And then his wife basically telling him to either wake up or get get out of everybody's wake way. Wake up or just leave. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he is the one that needs needs it to have a rational reason because he's 
the re- reason why Terry Maitland's dead. Well, at least in his mind. Yes. If he, if he, he believes that it's a curse and some demon did it, then... Better. <laughs> I mean, it would be better for him, but can he accept that? I don't know. No. It's against his character. So... Do you think it would have been reasonable for uh, that female detective to tell him, hey, I had this dream that something stole my baby? Like, would that have come out? I mean, obviously, for us as the audience member, we want her to be like, yeah, yeah, tell him. But like, in that world, would it have made any sense? I don't think so unless i mean because she was clearly trying to get him to ask because she was saying i just don't think i can see the horrors anymore yeah and i think she was looking for him to ask is something wrong is something going on giving her an opening to be like i just i've been having nightmares about somebody stealing my baby and that would fit and that would be rational but ralph isn't willing to ask the question that he already knows the answer to because he's not willing to hear the answer especially since at that point had no he he hadn't talked to Holly where Holly said El Cuco only takes children. Right. Only eats children. Only eats children. Correct. Yeah. yeah, because he was still looking for Holly at that point. Yeah. Um But he had heard about his wife's nightmare and I mean so that wouldn't have been completely off the wall. <laughs> so Holly in her moment of genius decides she needs to pee and that's the best way to get nope the best way (laughs) is to say it's because you're on your period ah there you (laughs) go that's the best way (laughs) because even if you're a uh what was it what's the the vampire um helper that we talked about last week renfield Renfield. Renfield. even if you're a renfield for el cuco like you're still a man yeah you're still still a man man. you're still weirded out by women's experience like oh okay i don't understand that at all oh man okay you do what you need to do kind of thing it's a get out of jail free card (laughs) although he does take her phone takes her phone and the keys and the keys yes or so he thought well i i honestly just thought that the car rental place gave her the spare which yeah, that was exactly what happened. They gave yeah. her like the Two sets, regular yeah. and the spare. Okay. And she separated them, that's why she was fumbling in her purse so much. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, um yes, as she goes into the restroom, which that restroom wouldn't wouldn't she had to gone inside to get a key? Like to me that's just what I feel like what would have been the big that that was the one that irked me. <laughs> well, this didn't look like it was in a bad part of town. So, it's I mean, it's it like was a pretty interstate. bad yeah. restroom, and it's the highway. It was a pretty, pretty gas stationy restroom looking. I would, tile that yes, once been white, like except you're talking about the south, not the coasts. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I, I don't. I, you're right. I don't know anything about Georgia. This is, this is meth country, too. not heroin country. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you I mean, if you travel through Iowa, they have free Wi-Fi at the rest areas. So, I mean, Tempe has free Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, just say it. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. She then proceeds to break the window inside the bathroom, which no, no. throws off Jake. He goes to go see if she's escaping out the back as. She escapes out the front. She goes out the front, gets back into the car, uses the spare key, turns the car on, drives off. He shoots. Boom, 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 shoots boom. a bunch of times into the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nissans make a good car, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she gets really far away, and I'm guessing she was looking for her phone Yeah, yeah. In, in the car when she stops. Like, I still would not have stopped that close. <laughs> I know she was probably a good six miles away by the time she stops, but still. The adrenaline pumping should have, yeah. Um, As she eventually gets back to uh, Ralph's, she is greeted by everybody. She tells a story. GBI man gives her a mugshot to look at, asks, Mm -hmm. does this guy look familiar? She says, no, but, and he's like, well, what is it? And she's like, I don't know. I'd never seen this guy before, but. I mean, it kind of looks familiar kind of thing. Um, come to find out that it's the picture that Ralph's wife, anybody remember the name? Jeannie. Jeannie, Jeannie. drew, right? Uh, so it's what 
Oh, wasn't it a mugshot of Claude? Yeah, the ship. Yeah. Didn't they say that? No, you, said, you just said mugshot. Oh, mugshot. Sorry. Yes, the mugshot was of Claude, the who we I thought was the owner of the strip club. He is only no. the manager of no, the strip yeah. club. Yeah. Who knew? He uh, quit. <laughs> he just straight up quit working at the strip club. He's got to go to Harvard. Who understands uh, the hierarchy of strip club? Like, you know. I I think he because he also received a bonus bonus severance. Uh-huh. They called it severance. I think that whole. He quit thing because in the previous episode, they basically like he goes after that guy and they're like, You're on parole, right? Like, so, I think the owner was like, Look, I'm gonna have to let you go so either you can quit, I can fire you. If you get fired, it might be looked bad on your parole, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he's uh, he's out, but is it him? Like, the idea now is that. El Cuco has taken his face or at least was in the transition of taking his face. That's why Jeannie put the two together and you guys brought up earlier that she said to Ralph, you need to get on page or get the fuck out. Like we all see it happening. He is now transitioning into uh, Claude and we need to do something about that. That scene where they all yell at Ralph. (laughs) Just, the look on his face was like, why are you guys yelling at me? Like, y'all are the crazy ones. That's what Jeannie That was a good scene. I forgot about that. Stop it. You don't get to make that face. Like, why are you yelling at me? This is crazy. I'm being the logical one. And that was before or after he went and sat in the chair? Before. Before. Because he got, he got yelled at before he, he went and sat in the chair? He got yelled at okay. before. And then after he got yelled at, he calls his shrink. Mm. That's right. To set up an emergency appointment. Which I knew I'd seen that actor before. I knew this is a little bit of a sidetrack. He has been in everything that Jason Bateman has ever been in, going all the way back to Hogan's family when he was a regular on that show where Jason Bateman like started. The shrink? Yep, the shrink. So he's best friends, essentially. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but so I think he goes to sit on that chair to kind of try and see if he feel like... Because he's basically just now been given the ultimatum. Can he open himself up to something that everybody agrees is completely irrational? That none of them are acting as if this is normal or not crazy. Like, they all know that they sound crazy. But mm-hmm. he's basically been told, either you figure out how to accept that something not normal, not rational is going on here, or leave. And he's trying to see if he can open himself up to that. And what do you think? I think I think he can and it scares him. Okay. So I think he thought he was going to get what he wanted from the shrink, but then the shrink changed. <laughs> and that was it. Because yeah. honestly, when the shrink started talking, it was like, well, I believe in logic. I was like, come on. <laughs> like, don't even. Because the one thing about neurology is that you know that there's a lot that we know about the brain, but there's also a lot that we don't know and pretty sure we'll never know about the brain so like neurologists psychologists can kind of go both ways they can be super logical and be like this is how i can go but there's actually more of a good amount at least when i was in school for it that are like there's a lot we can't explain there are things that i can't prove with theory like we're a bit more open-minded so so i was really surprised the conversation started the way it did i was like yeah but i feel like most scientists would agree that there are things that we currently can't explain now they would assert that there's probably a logical explanation for it but that doesn't mean we currently can explain it because um, often science is just disproving you're not i mean you rarely are proving something you're mostly just disproving. disproving yeah now to that point about ralph struggling with what he believes um, I noticed that in this episode, they did a lot of framing devices, like literally for him, mm-hmm. where he was constantly juxtaposed within square objects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think in one of the first scenes when he's staring at the table and he's noticing that the chair is missing, um, he is within four frames. He's standing directly in the middle of a door frame that's in the background. Then there's a second frame around him where the entrance to the dining room is. And then there's the outer door frame where Jeannie is standing. 
And at one point, you see him just perfectly within these three boxes. <laughs> it's almost like he's inside that box that people say you should try and think outside of, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> and then when he goes to visit the female detective, um, you know, the porch frame is perfectly around him. And the way that the mirror is reflecting him, he's like standing in front of himself. Um, and it's, it's a large window, so it's like full size. Him just kind of like contemplating you know and it's signifying the duality and i was like oh they're being really clever in this episode like they're giving us all these visual cues of him you know stuck in the box and playing around with coming out of it i mean it's literally one of the things that i was going to talk about in this episode is because like like jessica said this is an episode where i i i my i kept getting distracted like the show wasn't engaging to me. Yeah. Like after the part where Holly gets away, like I really was disconnected from the show, which started to make me think like, is the rest of the show been this way? And then I was like, Oh, well, you know what? The sound editing in this and the, mm-hmm. the, the cinematography is so good in my opinion. That is it tricking my brain to think that the show is really good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is. is it? I, I mean, I still think I proof? like the show. No, no. The proof is in the scene when um, Prince comes to see Holly. Fair. That scene right there was the most ridiculous <laughs> freaking scene. I, that was a Hallmark. That was a Hallmark smile. Oh, you're here. That does not belong on this show. <laughs> like it just literally, she did that joke and then just smiled all wildly. I was like, what kind well, of? We have discussed previously that Stephen King's writing is typically atrocious so yes the cinematography and this the soundboard definitely make up for that yes that that definitely and yeah this episode didn't have i feel like it didn't have as good of sound well so getting into the like the part where that really came into was uh was it was a Ralph and what is the other investigator's name? Yoon. Yoon. When at the point where I believe Yoon is talking to How Howie? The, oh, the, yeah, Howie. Yeah. yeah. The music at that point is so engaging and dramatic that I was like, something great is about to happen. And it, it ends up being just Yoon's like speech of, you know, when she's when she's dead, you can go and, you know, do oh, whatever. Yeah. Like, like oh, it, right. it wasn't really that big of a dramatic moment, at least not really. If you listen to the words that he's saying, yeah. but it's all sounds like it is. Mm-hmm. It all comes off as a big, big point. So to me, I was like, wow, have I just been tricked? Like, yes. has this show just <laughs> tricked me into really liking it? Which is fine. Like, yeah. it's all part of making a show. It's all part, part mm-hmm. of making a, a thing. But it's the power of cinematography. Yeah, I, I definitely think it makes up for the significant lack of writing. I mean, I think I'm still open to the thought that the plot is very interesting. El Cuco being real is really interesting. Yeah. The, well, yeah. and how and, he's working in this and the twists and turns to get there, and okay, now the twists and turns of how they're going to catch him and the clock running out and we're approaching that 27 days and all of those things. So I think the plot, you aren't being tricked in that the storyline is crappy. It's the actual writing itself. The cinematography is, (laughs) is fooling you when it comes to how bad the The writing writing is. That's fair. That's completely fair. Yes. So Prince Charming does show up. He explains to Ralph that, Hey, I used to be a great detective too. And I'm, I, to me, I'm thinking, but he's so young. Why is he not a detective anymore? Why is he not on the police force? Why is he a security security guard? Like, does he own this security, uh, this private security firm, so to speak? It's, I mean, why is it that he's not? I a, mean, he may if he can just up and leave. It's true. He, it might be his. And he just was investigating why some lady was there asking questions. Or filling in because some employee didn't show up. And that's what you do as the owner yeah. of yeah. a small business. Like, you, you kind of just have to fill in. <laughs> so it was, to me, like, when he said, I used to be a pretty great detective. It's like, 
Were you? Like, I don't understand. Yes, he was. He's a prince. (laughs) He is a prince. Is is that how life works, where you can just show up somewhere and say, hey, I used to do this. Can I be part of this group now? (laughs) I mean, he does. He did ask, can I join your Scooby gang? Like, (laughs) he's like, can I be a part of the crew to figure out what El Cuco is? Because he's been doing his own investigation on Hofstetter and like what all that meant, you know, why this thing was happening, or at least that part of the, the crime. So... That I mean, it's he's an interesting. I don't know if foil is the right word to throw in there, but he's an interesting. He's a foil for the moment. He's a red shirt. That's what he is. He's a Richard. <laughs> a red, red shirt. shirt. Red shirt. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. got a big bullseye. On him. <laughs> he really does. He really does. Um. So, whether or not he gets to participate, I don't know. Like, I don't know where that goes, especially if. The conversation between Holly and, or not Holly, um, Glory and Howie happens where she decides to actually sue Ralph. Uh, how does the crew stay together to fight El Cuco if half of them are trying to sue the other half, like kind of thing? Uh, well, with the exception of Howie, everybody else can stay together. Huh. I mean, what's his face? Yoon is, seems like he's often. In, employed by Howie. Yeah, but he is still an independent contractor, yeah, not yeah. tied by fiduciary obligations or anything. But any of those I think things. he would I mean, I, I know I'm thinking more practically and this is a show about supernatural, like this is where my paycheck is. I kind of need to go with Howie. Only if Howie made a big stink about it, but I don't think Howie would. You don't think so? No. That's I mean, you expect you expect PIs and and other investigators and other expert witnesses, those kinds of things in, in the legal field, you expect them to play both sides mm-hmm. because if they don't, they are of yet less use to you. Yeah. Because if I have to put an expert witness on the stand who only ever testifies for the plaintiff and they've testified a hundred times, but only for the plaintiff, they're biased. Yeah. And they're not no an jury's, expert witness anymore. No jury's going to buy what they have to say, even if they are an expert witness, even mm-hmm. if they are truly independent. That is a mountain I have to now climb. Yeah. Whereas they've testified both for, you know, plaintiff and defense multiple times, you know, where however they come out, okay, that's a much easier hill to climb. So I, if Howie's written as a typical attorney, he's not going to, it's not going to matter to him because he doesn't need the PI services to sue the city. Okay. So, uh, Glow, no, Holly has a dream, and dreams mean things in this show. What does it mean that she has a dream where events played out differently, and she actually gets killed in the car? I think she saw a glimpse into another reality where it played out that way. That's what I figured, too. So, do you think this has anything to do with, like, Dark Tower stuff? Um, definitely with alternate realities coming into play. Okay. But how exactly that fits into the overall themes yet, I don't know. Maybe the the cuckoo is a, like an interdimensional being. Um, so do you think that El Cuco planted that thought in her head? Just like That's what I think. seeing things on He's the bus? He's already planted stuff in her yeah. head, so yeah. Mm, I, no, I think it's just her sensitivity is that she just picked up on... Um, the wavelength of a different dimension, mm. and saw how that happened, how that all rolled out. Okay. Okay. Is there a possibility that how El Cuco is something of supernatural existence mm. that she is also and just doesn't know it? Like she's yeah. If he's a demon, she's like, an angel, like well, a Van Helsing type of thing. Not like the movie. Yeah. Mm, I mean, I I guess. But not really. But like, like, basically, if there's evil in the world, then there's also like forces yeah. of good, and she's one of the good sides. So, oh, yeah. more like Unbreakable then, where Bruce Willis' character was a character that can't be damaged or hurt because he's the opposite spectrum from Mr. Glass. So she's the opposite side of what El Cuco is. I don't think she's the opposite of El Cuco, but I, yeah, I, 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 I like your like idea that. There's a spectrum of like potentially supernatural but real entities, mm-hmm. and she fits in there somewhere along with El Cuco, 
just like possibly at opposite ends of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think the only thing that we didn't touch on was uh, Glory having her kind of meltdown <laughs> with a with a prospective home buyers that weren't really prospective home buyers. They just wanted to do see the lady who was married to the murderer. I, yeah, I like how her kids are smarter than her. Right? <laughs> the conversation before was like, won't people Our, say mean things? Why would people say mean things? And the looks both her daughters gave her were like, bitch, you cray? Like, <laughs> well, do you not remember? <laughs> she knows that they were going to say mean things, but yeah. she just can't tell her daughters that. I don't know. That's how what I got to. Yeah. Eh, be realistic. Come on. Those girls <laughs> plus, people are a bunch of bastards. People are a bunch of bastards. But honestly, like I had, like when her boss was like, you should just sell your house and move to another city. I was like, yeah. Yeah. If you move to another, a bigger city, like no one's going to care. No one's going to know that you were the wife of Terry May. Go to New York. You don't even have to go Nobody to, go to Atlanta. It's got, it can't be that far away. <laughs> if it's not, it's not her fault fault though if he didn't kill the i know kid, hey i understand that completely it's all them they're wrong so and that's it, what it is and that's is why it, i feel like what she should have told her daughters wasn't you know oh they won't say mean things it was yes they will say mean things i can handle it like yes, that's what she should have except she clearly can't because can. so they literally didn't even say anything if she told herself that maybe she would have handled it but is it is but it no. easier to fight the tide or to boogie board like Yes, of course it's easier to... <laughs> but that doesn't make it, but the, right make it the right choice. Is this the Running hill you over. want to die on? Yes. yes. When your kids are starving. We are so... We found a solution to that. Yeah, after the, the afterwards, it's like time to sue, but like... She knew that was the solution all along. She just wasn't there yet. She hadn't had yeah. the push. I mean, okay, so then from a, a law side of it, how long can a, this kind of court case go out? The cost, oh, well, hmm. if they were to take it all the way to trial in the real world, you're looking at probably about four to five years. Exactly. However, that being said, something of this magnitude and of mm-hmm. this nature and the likelihood based on it, what, how he's already done as an attorney and, and the likelihood of a regular attorney doing this, the city would settle. Yeah, she's looking. She's looking at three months negotiation, and she's probably looking at. How do you figure though? Like ten to twenty. There is as much evidence that he did it as there is that he didn't do it. It was how they did it. How they gathered the evidence. It was the arrest itself. It was. It was. It still all happened above board. He he more than likely read the rights. We know. I know we didn't see it, but like it still happened. It, it was. It was the the, the media playout yeah. and the fact that they were charged with his safety. That's the biggest thing. Is is were they reckless in their in their trying to keep him safe? They brought him. They walked him. They perp walked him down to the courthouse along an open stretch where there was insufficient guards. A high-profile case like this, you don't no. take them in that way. You take them in a back entrance, a side entrance. You don't let people this know where like, they are. But this is also a small town. Like, you, there's no one... That, that doesn't that, matter. <laughs> you mean to tell me that every case of, some, of something like that, they're going to have armed guards, armed Department of Corrections people just making a line for it? No, I don't think so. They don't tell the, they don't tell the public when they're bringing them in. They usually come in. You would bring Terry Maitland in at 6 a.m. for a 1 p.m. hearing, and you'd hold him in a cell in the back of the courthouse. Yep. Because you, you wouldn't risk... the it, With something that hot and heated, Yeah. you wouldn't take that risk. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's, that's your, or, your expertise field. Or you run the risk of if something happens to him, you being at fault. And that's why they take ridic- what are seen as ridiculous precautions. Because you, you as the city are potentially liable. Was there any other part that anybody else saw that they want to talk about? How'd you guys like the scream at the end? I don't I. I hated it. It just it was just <laughs> another hated it. <laughs> it was just another thing thrown on there that I was just like, oh, okay, that wasn't needed. It's, this episode felt like a filler episode. Like after the point where Holly even before Holly escapes, like 
I just felt like it, they were dragging that out too much. Like something needed to happen with that. And then the rest of the episode was kind of just filler because a lot of it was looking for Holly. So that did that does nothing for the plot. Like we get the fact that Claude left is leaving town, that Claude looks like the inky man and that's it. And Jake is on the loose. Yeah, but even that's not that big a deal because Jake was ar- we already knew Jake was possessed, like kind of thing. Like he's already yeah, but a bad now guy. Now people know that he's dangerous. Yeah, or yeah. That, I think that changes it. I think it sets it up to be different than it was in Ohio or it was in New York because now people are on the lookout for an additional person. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is like all those those three points are like maybe five percent of the episode the rest of the episode is not really that like this is why it shouldn't have been 10 episodes it should have been like eight episodes like this this was a this to me was a filler episode you know what i really like this episode i don't know why everybody's like was bored with it or whatever i was like i said i i was checking out you know visual cues and I mean, I've always been a fan of the cinematography yeah. and this, this music since, like, day one. So, for me, it was like, ooh, like, I wonder where this is going. Like, how is Holly going to get out of this? I was actually really hoping, because it looked like Jake wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Just do the old speed up suddenly and then smash into something. And I, I think the problem was that they're on the highway and there wasn't anything to smash into. I mean, there's ditches. There's I guess there is a ditch. Like oncoming cars. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt. You just slam on your brakes. Just <laughs> That's also true. Yeah, do, the, do a death proof style. Although I do think she was calculating the concern about how fast could somebody else get to her because she's out in the middle of nowhere. And if he wakes up before then because he's possessed. Also, it did look like a Nissan Sentra, so it probably wasn't wasn't going to really hit a very good top speed. No, it's not going to hit a top speed. No. Uh, Okay. Uh, If you have any other things that you'd like to talk about this episode, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. John, where can people find you online? I am at Magic Bollocks on Twitter. And Elizabeth? You can find me with the Geek Elite Media Network. Jessica? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to... Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 